Hello and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Daisy Vineyard Church. This week, enjoy the podcast as truth is revealed in God's Word. Go get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. All right. My props have grown this week. I'm so excited. I've got some really good news to share with everybody. Thank you, gentlemen, for your help. Can I just say, we had the most beautiful flag worship team up here. I love, I love spontaneous, let's grab a flag and let's just give it all we got. So thank you to all you beautiful ladies who were just into it over here. And and I I was so taken by this, it messed me up, but I think I did see Chris. Good job, Chris. That was amazing. Yeah, so that was awesome. Um, Last week, we started talking about a word that the Lord has given me. My name's Sandy, by the way. I'm the assistant pastor here. And um, last week, it was a pretty, pretty strong message of repentance. But I have really good news for you. When we do it God's way, there's always a reward. God, you can't put God in a box because God always blows our minds with the way he blesses us, with the way he cares for us, um, just being in his presence. So what I'm going to start with today is I'm just going to go back over a few things that we talked about last week. We're going to do a little review because I'm a teacher, and right now in this time, We really need to review and let things sink in because there's so many distractions. There's so many things that are just spinning around our lives constantly that I just want to make sure we laid a good foundation for the good news that's coming today. So we started last week talking a lot. I gave you a lot of information about Um, the way the Hebrew calendar works, that it's a lunar calendar, um, some uh, archaeology finds and things like that. I'm not going to go into all of that this week because I really want to get to the meat of what we were talking about last week. So um, we were talking about wheat. We've got some wheat here, if you all can see it. Hopefully on camera on home at home, you guys can see the wheat. We've got wheat here, and then I'm going to talk about some of the stages that that wheat has gone through. But from last week... We talked about the planting cycles, how things grow, and my biggest takeaway, because most of the time I get a message from the Lord, it's, it's for me, and sometimes it's for me and for other people. This one was definitely for me, but I think that it is relatable to all of us in this season. Um, the biggest thing that we talked about, and if you want to dive deeper and, and find out more about threshing and threshing floors and how they played out in history. There's so many amazing things that happened in, in history on threshing floors. So hopefully this will pique your curiosity enough to dig for yourself. Because isn't that what teachers do? They teach kids and adults and people to have tools to be able to dig and find things and solve problems on their own. That whole saying, if you teach a child or teach someone, or if you give someone a fish, you feed them for a day. If you teach them to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. So my goal is to 
to um, pique your curiosity and teach you how to fish for the goodness that's in God's word. But my favorite takeaway from last week was the fact that we learned that the owner of the field, once this wheat has gone through this, has been trampled, it's been sledged, it's been beaten till it comes out and this seed remains, right? Everything else is gone. It's getting beat up. And yet the owner of the field sleeps on the threshing floor with his precious wheat. So if you don't remember anything from last week, I want you to remember the season that we're going through right now is hard. You ask anyone in this room, and this has been a very difficult season. It's been a season of threshing. We have been trampled. We have been beaten down. But that's not where we want to focus. We want to focus on why. What is the purpose of this? Because everything that happens to us, God uses for our good, right? So why? Lord, what is the lesson in this? How are you, how are you going to use this for my good? And just to know that he sleeps with us on the threshing floor of our lives. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always with us. That gave me comfort, and I hope it did you. So my question, when the Lord highlighted this word, you know, threshing, I was like, that's not a fun word. I, yeah. Why is this important right now, Lord? Why is this important? And it's important because the purified product that comes out and how he can use that for those around us and ourselves and our families. In order for there to be a harvest celebration, we have to go through times of threshing, right? We have to be changed into the things that he has for us so that we can continue to grow his kingdom. So we, we started reading, and if you want to get your Bible out, we're going to continue where we, we're going to continue where we left off in the book of Joel, chapter 2. And so without reading the whole section again, I just want to briefly run through it. Joel is a prophetic book, and so this was a prophecy for the people of that time, but sometimes prophecies can be relatable to other seasons as well as you read them. Um, So in Joel chapter 2, he was telling them that there was going to be locusts invading like an army and destroying everything. That's verses uh, verses 1 through 12. And then we kind of focused a little bit on chapter uh, 2, verses 12 through 17, which was the call to repentance. And we talked about the... um, the shofar, that they would blow the shofar because it was something super important. They wanted everyone to gather. We talked about how um, they wanted, they were saying young and old, um, people on their honeymoon, nothing was more important than this time of repentance, right? And then we talked about, verse 17, we talked about the priests that, who minister in the Lord's presence, that they should be standing and weeping in the place of atonement, and we talked about last week that in 1 Peter 2.9, it says we are the chosen people. We are the priests. We, as the church, should be the ones who are standing in the gap and praying for the world around us. Yeah. And I used a term last week that I want to explain a little bit. I used a term called social justice. And that means something in the world today that it's not necessarily what it means. And if, if we look at Micah 6.8... 
And I want to read it out of the HCSB version. It says, act justly, love faithfulness, and walk humbly with your God. So when Jesus talks about taking care of the hungry, the sick, the homeless, the demonized, caring for the widows and the orphans, he's talking about having such an intimate relationship with him that out of that intimate relationship, out of that faithfulness, out of that covenant relationship with him, we automatically act justly. Micah 6.8 says, act justly, love faithfulness, and walk humbly with your God. So when we're hand in hand with Jesus, our hearts are going to break for the things that break his heart. And Holy Spirit is going to move us into activation to meet needs, to walk alongside somebody, to lay our lives down for the sake of another, right? Isn't that what Jesus did? And aren't we called to do the same? So we can go give a bag to food for, to a neighbor and walk away. But is that really what Jesus would have done? No, Jesus would have walked beside that family. He would have said, okay, poverty is an issue. How do we deal with poverty in your family? How do I love you and walk beside you well enough that poverty doesn't get to continue to beat you down? That's what I mean. So last week we talked about five things. Number one was reflect and repent. We have to look at what is not working in our lives according to what God says. The gospel is a good news, and we get our get-out-of-hell-free card, but that's not what God wants us to stay. He wants us to live in abundance, and he wants us to do things his way. And when we reflect on our lives, I've done a lot... Oh, baby. Sorry, I'm a mama and a grandma. When kids bump their head, it kind of sidetracks me, so... When, when we care for somebody, it's not just meeting the immediate need. So the bottom line is we walk beside people no matter what they're going through and we take care of the, the underlying issue of what's going on. We don't just meet a need and walk away. And that takes a lot of self-sacrifice. That takes your time. That takes your money. That takes your energy. But there's always a blessing in it because you get to, like some people collect cars or they collect, you know, tchotchkes on their wall. We should be people collectors. We should care so deeply for the people around us that they're more important. What's going on in their life, we're willing to put our time, energy, and money into because that's what Jesus does. He collects people. And time is short, guys. There's a lot of people that need to have a family. There's a lot of people that need to know that you're in their corner. So I encourage you to find who's in front of you. Minister to the one that's in front of you. So number one was reflect and repent. Look and see what's not working in your life. Turn from it. Don't, don't camp there. Don't camp out there. Listen for Holy Spirit and change the things that need to change. Number two is remember. Remember the blessings and the atrocities. We talked about God being the God of the former rain and the latter rain. We need to remember those things that happened, and we need to see how that all affects our lives. And we need to um, 
thank God for the blessings. God is so faithful. He's always in our corner. And then number three was we need to refocus and we need to be recalibrated in his presence. John spoke this morning, gave us a word, and he said, we need to refocus. And sometimes there's so much stuff going on. There's so much um, hard things that we're focused on that we forget that he's the God of the latter rain. With him, there's always more. There's always a blessing and a harvest. So we need to make sure that we don't get stuck in the threshing floor and we don't move on to the next things that God has for us. So today I want to move on and we're going to look at starting in verse 18. So I'm going to read through this and then we'll go back and we'll talk about a few things. So starting in verse 18 of Joel chapter 2, if you want to turn there or I don't know if they're going to be able to get it up on the screen or not, but um, let's look. So this says the Lord's promise of restoration. So we've repented, we've remembered, we've done those first three steps that I talked about. Then the Lord will pity his people and jealously guard the honor of his land. The Lord will reply, look, I'm sending you grain and new wine and olive oil enough to satisfy your needs. How many of us in this house, even though it's been tight, even though God has continued to to sustain us during this period, I know I can say yes. You will no longer be an object of mockery among the surrounding nations. That to me is super exciting because that means God is on the move. And when we do it his way, we get to show up with power and authority and we get to change environments. I will drive away these armies from the north. I will send them into the parched wastelands. Those in the front will be driven into the Dead Sea and those at the rear into the Mediterranean. The stench of their rotting bodies will rise over the land. Surely the Lord has done great things. So we don't fight against people, right? Can we be in agreement about that? We fight against powers and principalities from a dark world. So when I read this, I hear those demons are no longer going to be able to affect the people I love. Surely the Lord has done great things. Verse 21, don't be afraid, my people. Be glad now and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Don't be afraid, you animals of the field, for the wilderness pastures will soon be green. The trees will again be filled with fruit. Fig trees and grapevines will be loaded down once more. Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more, the autumn rains will come, as well as the rains of spring, former and latter rains. That former rain softens the ground, and the latter rain comes and helps everything grow, right? That's our God. The threshing floors will again be piled high with grain, and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. The Lord says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. Who's ready to have things come back to them that have been lost? Amen. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. Once again, you will have all the food you want, and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then you will know that I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. Because we have covenant relationship with the God of the universe. Let's look at verse 28. 
This I've heard over and over and over my whole life. But I think sometimes we forget the former things, the things that come before this. The Lord's promise of his spirit. Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on earth. Blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. Okay, so let's step back. Verse 18 through 27 is all about God restoring. Because our God is a God of restoration. Verse 24, it talks about oil and new wine. A lot of times in scripture you'll hear the Holy Spirit related to oil and new wine. John taught us a couple weeks ago on the ten virgin parable. We want to make sure we are overflowing with oil. After we repent and turn our brokenness and pain over to God, he completely heals and renews us, and we are all in process. Look at whoever's sitting close to you with an earshot and say, I love you, you are in process. And now say, I love you too, so am I. God uses threshing floor times to break us so that we can be used by him for his kingdom. God is a God of covenant with his people so that we can be a blessing to all flesh. So when I think all flesh, I think of bones walking around with meat on them. So that means anybody walking around with bones and meat is all flesh, right? He removes what no longer is serving him or us because... Most of the things that we do just out of habit, there comes a season when they're no longer serving us. They're not serving him, and they're not serving us, but we continue to hop back on that hamster wheel and go around another time. I mean, I'm speaking to myself. (laughs) God is a God of covenant with his people. He removes what no longer is serving us, so that he can reveal new treasure. So there's, there's a process that they do in Japan, and I don't know that much about it. I'm just learning. But when they break a piece of china, they don't throw it in the trash. They take that piece of china, and they mend it back together with gold in the seams. And it is absolutely beautiful. I encourage you to look it up. It's called, and I will probably butcher this name, Kintsuji, and it means precious scars. Do we view our scars as precious? I think maybe we need to recalibrate, refocus, and think about what God has allowed to happen in our life may not be as bad as we think it is. It may be him using gold to mend us. God desires us to be whole so that we can contain an overflowing anointing, not only for ourselves, but for those around us. So I've always heard this parable 
of the clay jars and the servant who put the clay jars on his shoulder and one had cracks in it and the other one didn't and the cracked one watered the flowers all up and down the side of the road and oh look how beautiful it was a cracked pot and it leaked are you ready to have your mind blown that sounds really lovely we want to water flowers okay that's good but i want you to hear this God does not want to use a bunch of cracked pots. God wants us to be whole so that we can contain every bit of his Holy Spirit anointing for ourselves and for others. So I want you to think about that story in a different way. I want you to think about the pot who carried the entire amount of water back to the home and that entire amount of water was used by the family. Flowers are important. Don't get me wrong. I love flowers. But people getting the full dose of his goodness is way more important. So I watched a sermon. Um, I've never seen this guy before. His his name is Matt Sorger. I don't know. He does a lot of um, stuff. I, I just came upon him. Uh, doing some searching and found, and he he says, and I love this, we overflow with new wine and new oil and we become a walking breakthrough. He he says, he's Jehovah Shaka, (laughs) right? He shocks us with his love and his mercy and we carry that everywhere we go because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. We don't need somebody to point out what we're not doing right. Because guess what? We all make mistakes. Remember, we are all in process, and I love you. They need, what people need is not to have their sins pointed out. They need to have a real experience with the goodness of God. When you have a real experience with the goodness of God, you cannot deny that something just happened. And I've done a lot of street ministry. And when somebody comes into contact with the power and the goodness of God, they don't have words for it. They cannot explain what just happened. But trust me, they know something just happened, which opens the door for repentance, for salvation, for healing, for someone to walk alongside them and disciple them into abundant life, right? I think as Christians, we have this idea that once you, get your, once you get saved, then you're good and you don't need any help. Well, I'm living proof that once you get saved, you still need a whole bunch of help. <laughs> I got saved when I was five years old, and trust me, I still need a whole bunch of help in my walk. And I am so thankful for my brothers and sisters because we all go through threshing floor experiences and we need to be open and honest and have help from each other. So I'm going to share one of my threshing floor experiences and how the goodness of God through his body impacted my life. So in November of 2013, for some of you who don't know us, my husband was in a head-on collision and he was in the hospital for a month. He was non-weight-bearing in a wheelchair for three months after that. It was a very, very long threshing season in our life. 
And there were times when it was just more than I could bear. Seeing him in pain, my kids were at home and I was at the hospital. It was just a rough season. But guess what? God met us where we were at. He was there with us. He held us up. He continued to love on us. We got home December 20th, I believe. So five days before Christmas. Obviously, we hadn't bought any Christmas gifts. I was talking with my mother-in-law last night about this. We didn't even have a tree. We had nothing. And with the way our society is, if you don't celebrate Christmas in the big hurrah, then, you know, you've been a total failure. That was my favorite Christmas of all times. My kids walked over to Walgreens and bought the clearance Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And my husband's name, for those of you who don't know, is Charlie Brown. And we had a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Our neighbors brought over Christmas dinner. We had somebody in this church, Bert and Mindy, they're not here, but Mindy arranged meals for us. We had meals coming to my house every other day. Get this, people. Two months. I had so much food and blessing. I didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, okay, slow it down. There's only four of us trying to eat all this food. It was such a blessing because we were connected with the body. Please, people, this is a hard time to stay connected. Do your part and stay connected. Check up on your brothers and sisters in Christ in this house. Those who you don't see here in the room, those who are at home, call somebody, check on them, make sure everybody's doing well. This is a season where we really need to support each other. So sometimes threshing comes from our own decisions. It comes from flaws in us that God is working out of us. Sometimes threshing comes from um, circumstances that were completely out of our control. Ed was minding his business, going to work one day, and somebody crossed the center line and, and has made a lasting impact for the rest of our lives. But God uses all of it for our good. During this season of threshing, I've had to deal with a lot of stuff that came to the surface in me that I was like, oh my gosh, who is that person? That is not who I want to be, yet here that person comes again. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's been in your home a lot with family, and and it's been hard. It's been difficult. But you know what? They're going through their whole thing too. Remember, I'm in process and I love you. You're in process too. We have to have grace for that right now. God has good plans and purposes for our lives. And people are watching us. Always watching, Wazowski. I want to help you to remember that it's okay to live a life that doesn't always look perfect. Please have grace for yourself and be honest. Because not only do people need to see it when we're doing great, people need to see it when we're not doing great. Because that's when we tap into his power and we have the opportunity to show them, to show the world around us that we have a God who we can say, I have faith, but help me with my unbelief. And through that, we point to him and his glory. We don't have to get it all right. We don't need to pretend that we can get it all right. 
We don't need to have the perfect Facebook life and then have a terrible life behind closed doors when nobody can see it. Because that's where the devil likes to wreak havoc in our lives, right? I can attest, I was not a nice person when I went home last Sunday. And I am being perfectly honest. I yelled at my husband. We had an argument. The grandkids were watching. It was disaster. The preacher lady who gave such a good sermon on Sunday morning went home and was a total disaster. But guess what? I have grace for me. We worked it out. We had a good talk. And God started doing healing because we allowed the yuck to surface and to deal with it as a family. So I want to think of, turn the corner just a little bit. I want, to, I want you to think of Jesus and his disciples. They went to the Passover celebration. And then Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, which in Hebrew middle, literally means the oil press for his time of pressing. So it doesn't only happen with wheat. It happens with olives. It happened, there's a lot of... Um, beautiful imagery. And he tells Peter in Luke twenty-two thirty-one through 34, Peter, I'm preparing you. You will be sifted. Remember we talked about the sifting, that we shake all of the stuff down out of this sift so we get what's there. Peter failed miserably. We all know that story probably, right? He, he's, oh, I'll never deny you, God. I'll never deny you. Yet three times he denied him in that 24-hour period. Jesus already knew that. Jesus already knew that he was going to fail miserably, and he, pre- he prepared him for it. And then when Jesus rose again, he came to Peter, and he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Guess what? Those three times he was denied, he got a do-over. Thank you, God, that you are the God of do-overs. Jesus was the first fruit. It had been celebrated. Jesus rose. And then he told them to go and wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't we all love to wait? Isn't it fun? Just sitting there waiting for something to happen. I'm the best waiter in the world. No, I am not. (laughs) Yet they waited And in Acts chapter 2, while celebrating Pentecost, or Shavuot, as we talked about last week, the Holy Spirit came to bring freedom from the law through the work that Jesus had done. It was fulfilled through the Holy Spirit. Then Peter, in Acts chapter 2, preached a sermon from, guess where? Joel chapter 2. What we just read... Peter preached, moved by the Holy Spirit, he recited Joel chapter 2, and guess what? There was a harvest of, who knows, anybody in the room know how many people? Of course, the pastor knows. 3,000 souls, 3,000 bones with flesh came to know Jesus that day. Jesus was the first fruits. The Holy Spirit came, and then there was a harvest of 3,000 souls. There's always a bigger harvest coming with God. We only have to surrender to the process that brings greater fruit. 
So I want you to, let's go back and let's look at the five things that we need to do again. Number one, we're going to reflect and repent. Number two, we're going to remember. Number three, we're going to refocus and be recalibrated in his presence. Number four, we're going to rejoice. We are going to stay hopeful in the refining process. Say that with me. Stay hopeful in the refining process. That's a hard one, right? We can talk about it all day, but we get to make a choice. And then number five, for those of you who are writing notes, number five is restoration and re-emergence. We come out of the threshing different. We come out of the threshing full of joy. We come out with new wine and new oil to be used for his glory. So I want to share a little story with you about butterflies, right? Flowers and butterflies, life is good. So let me tell you a story about butterflies. I used to teach preschool. I had four-year-olds. I had 16, 17 four-year-olds in my classroom, and we did a little section on butterflies. So I ordered the caterpillars. They come in a cute little jar, and there's these little caterpillars, and it comes with the food that they eat, so they spend the first little bit eating you know, getting fatter, eating, getting fatter. And then they start to build their chrysalis and they hang themselves on this little piece of cloth inside of this jar and they go into their chrysalis. Well, then you open the jar and you take this little piece of cloth and you move it inside of a bigger butterfly net, right? And you safety pin it to the top of this butterfly cage. Well, this is all cool. Every day we're watching to see the butter, when the butterflies are coming out, when the butterflies are coming out, right? It's a process. It takes time. And the most horrifying thing happened in my preschool classroom. When the butterflies finally break out of their chrysalis, it's a process. It's not an easy thing. They, there's blood. There's blood everywhere. Have you ever tried to explain to a preschool classroom Why is there blood when they come out of their chrysalis? You know, we all think, oh, they break out and they fly away and it's all lovely. And guess what? It's kind of (laughs) gross. And I got to explain that to a room full of four-year-olds before we let our butterflies go out in the garden at the school. Guess what, guys? We think that going through a process is going to be super easy and then we're going to get the blessing and all. I'm sorry, that's not how real life is. There's going to be blood. We're going to have to fight our way out of cocoons. But guess what? Then we get to fly around and be a butterfly. So I brought some, um, I brought some uh, props today. Ooh. So we have our wheat, right? We talked about this. All hard inside of its shell and hard stem. And then it gets trampled and beaten And then we get, can you all see this? I'm making a mess. Sorry, Mary Ellen, if you're watching. There's a, we have kernels, right? Wheat kernels. Anybody want to just grab a big old bite of that and start chomping on it? I I don't really want to. (laughs) And then we get ground even further, right? Oh, yay. Let's get ground further. Let's go to the mill and let's get ground between some stones. And then we have this beautiful flower. Who wants to take a bite of this 
flour, like the cinnamon challenge that all the kids were doing. You know, you take a bite of dry cinnamon. I don't, I don't get it. I'm, I'm old. I don't get it. But look at this. This is another product of this. Look at your neighbor and say, we're all in process. And then it gets mixed with a bunch of stuff and it gets turned into something completely different. Right? Now who wants to eat this? It's been ground. It's been baked. It's been trampled. But look it. It's good now. It's usable. So my encouragement today don't give up in the process. There's really good bread at the end of it. You can fly like a butterfly at the end of it. You can be that beautiful cup that's been mended with gold and sat on a shelf of honor. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the process. We thank you that you're changing us, you're making us into something brand new. And you're good. We thank you that you sleep on the threshing floor with us. And Father, we are precious to you. But so is every other flesh out there. So Lord God, I pray that you would help us to see things the way you see them. That we would not get um, twisted with the way the world sees things, Father God. That we would, our hearts would break for the things that break your heart. And Father God, that we would know that there's a joy coming. There's a greater harvest coming. There's more blessings coming. And Father, let's not lose, let us not lose focus on the things that you are doing and the blessings that you are doing in this time, Father God. I thank you for all of the things that are happening in this world right now that are good, that are change. Help us to be a part of those agents of change, Father God for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church's podcast. We're located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church, visit our website, azvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D.com.